Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to the How Did We Get Here podcast. I'm Charles Dagnall and it's my duty to tell you that we're taking a slight break in the Virtual Manager journey for the next two episodes. We've been doing the podcast for six months now, and so Chairman Neil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham, and CEO Tony Morocco decided that it was time to learn about my career and history as a sportsman and broadcaster. Yes, indeed, I'm Neil Patel, and the tables are now turned as we get the opportunity to get a little insight into a different world, and industry as Daggers is one of the best-known voices in cricket commentary. Very close for Phil as he comes in close to the stumps, balls, he bowled him through the gate! That nagging length, nips back to Keaton Jennings, breaches the defences, and the first wicket has gone. Hassan bowls, and this has been hit over extra cover, and there it is! It's the world record for England, and it's Joss Butler, the man, to strike those all-important runs. In these editions, he's going to be telling us about his early life and his subsequent route from player to broadcaster, his techniques, disciplines, philosophies, and his heroes, plus how our paths crossed and how this podcast was born. Quite simply, we couldn't wait to put him under the microscope. So welcome to episode 14 of the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. I'm Charles Dagnall and as ever with the chairman of Virtual Manager Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham and CEO Tony Morocco. This is an episode with a slight difference against my better <laughs> judgment and against all of the ideas that have come through for the various editions of the podcast. Anil, Tony and Neil thought it was a good idea for some inexplicable reason to have me guesting. So it's now role reversal time. After me grilling them for well over 12 episodes so far, the roles are reversed and I'm going to get grilled. For what reason? I can't say. But I'm looking on this Zoom call currently three grinning faces as though they've been waiting for this for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I shall now say hello all and hand over to you guys. Hey, Charles. Hey, Charles. Hey, Daggers. How you doing? Yeah, I'm nervous, if I'm honest. <laughs> I haven't a clue what you're going to want. There's been no... Usually we have a little bit of chat in the week on a WhatsApp group text or an email or something like that. There's been nothing <laughs> this week and so that automatically puts me on the back foot a little bit as to what's coming next so i shall leave you guys to it you are now the hosts and i am the subject slash victim so you're asking yourself how did i get here <laughs> how the hell did i get here that is a question i keep asking myself yes it's it's your it's your baby now gentlemen all right well i, I might kick off and start to ask, although I can see, how, well, I can't see, maybe uh, maybe it's different, but I've got clammy hands, I've started sweating, It's the pressure is on. <laughs> he set the bar pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. You should see me when I'm at home actually hosting this podcast, and I think it's no secret that, and one of the reasons why I've been doing the podcast is that 
you wanted someone who wasn't necessarily from the business mm. world yeah. to actually ask the stupid question, of which I have asked many. And I get really nervous when you're talking about sort of big business and the deals that you make and the relationships you have and how it all works and comes together. I'm sat there absolutely dripping with sweat because I'm nervous and thinking, am I asking the right thing? There's some words here that I don't quite understand. (laughs) And so I'm Googling these these sort of acronyms that you come out with and just going out and then sort of going, oh, yes, yes, that's what it means. Uh, so so now it's your turn to spray on the deodorants and, uh, and, and grill. Excellent. All right. I mean, from our perspective, we obviously know you as Daggers the podcast legend or to, uh, to, to, to more of your day job, the broadcaster and uh, commentator. It'd be really interesting, I think, for us to get a, a view of where you're from originally, some of your schooling I'm particularly interested in, your sporting side of, was it just cricket? Was it other things? So maybe if we could start off there in terms of talk us a little bit through your childhood and where you grew up and and some some areas like that would be great. So the personal history of Charles Dagnall, this will last over seven (laughs) episodes. Um, (laughs) um, I was hoping to write an autobiography, but hey, no, no, that's not needed. I was brought up in in Lancashire, Bolton in particular, which is, you know, okay. It's nothing special. Weirdly, a lot of humorists come out of Bolton, uh, usually because it's kind of, there is a dark humor to the place because it's quite a sort of, not run down, that's unfair, but it's quite a hard working type of town. And so naturally humor comes and emanates from it. But I, I, you know, went to school near Manchester, uh, but from a from a sporting perspective, it's always been sport for me. Absolutely loved it. My brothers and sister were all musicians. They were all born within three years of each other. Then there was a five-year gap and then me. So I like to think I was carefully thought about by my parents. Actually, I was probably just a mistake. So they were all musicians. So And I didn't really get to sort of play with them, if you like, because I was five years younger. So I took a sporting route. And used to play as a kid, as you do, you used to play them all. You used to watch it on the TV avidly. Every single sport. What's on this week? Bowls, brilliant. I'm glued. Snooker and anything that was, that had a ball in it, I would watch on the TV. And then I used to play football from a school. You know, I was big man up front, but I wasn't, you know, I was okay. I wasn't brilliant. But I got taken down to my local cricket club because I had an aptitude, hand eye coordination, all of that. And Absolutely loved it. A, it was warm. Mm. I enjoy. I then very, very early on realised I like warm sports. And then just the nature of it, the game itself, the sort of tactics behind it, but just the sounds of leather on willow. And, and, and I know it sounds a bit romantic, but it just hooked me immediately. So I played locally and I got good quite quickly because all I could do was just play cricket all I wanted to do was play cricket so every single night I was down at the nets or down Mm. at a club or you know walking around town with my mum and dad pretending to bowl and you know my dad sort of could stop it would you just stop it and embarrassing them in in the middle of town whilst they're shopping and soon enough by the age of sort of 13 I'd got to Lancashire schoolboys and and representative honours But I also started playing, and this is where I'm getting to, I also started playing men's Mm -hmm. cricket. And this was a completely 
different scenario to what I was used to because used to I was I was 13 years old and I spoke a little bit like this and playing cricket with all these lads and then you're in a dressing room full of blokes who have been working all week with drills uh, and you know and and had proper jobs and they were swearing and they were talking you know grown up talk and for a 13 year old called Charles who'd really never you know had been quite sort of closed off from all of that it was a real eye opener to me and you were then imbibed in this this banter, this dressing room full of blokes, and you learned to grow up pretty quick, considering that you were usually the butt end of the joke, and you were so young. And so I had a, a guy who played with us, an enormous man called Paul Killy, and he, every club had a professional player. He was our pro, and he took me under, under his wing. He was six foot eight both height and width. He was an enormous man, but dead set, the funniest bloke I've ever met in my life. And I kind of learned how to banter and how to be quick, uh, quick-witted and, and respond something very, very sharply. And so the reason I'm telling that story is I don't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now had it not right. been for yeah. that background okay. of being within the, a dressing room full of blokes who are all yapping away and you want your own little bit of airtime and when you do have it it's got to be good so that that was basically it and so i played i was playing with blokes from from that age and then obviously through my schooling went to university did chemistry <laughs> and where um, did you study I studied at UMIS, the oh, University of Manchester okay. Institute of Science and Technology. Don't ask me any chemistry questions. Could not tell you now. Apart from the first 20 elements of the periodic table. But other than that, it was always sport. It, I was playing cricket all the time. And I'll tell you this one other bit. I was 19 years old and was playing for Lancashire in the county circuit, Lancashire under-19s, and I was their player of the year. And... Every single player of the year prior to that had gone on to become sign a contract with Lancashire and professional. Well, they didn't sign me. And I was devastated, absolutely gutted. I still believed I, I could play at that level and, mm. and become a professional cricketer. So I then trialled round all the rest of the counties. So I hold a record, believe it or not. I hold a record for the most counties trialled for without getting a professional contract. <laughs> so I played for 13 of the 18 counties. For the five that I didn't play for, I played against. But maybe that gives you a little indication of the sort of the belief that I had that I would eventually do it. And I think out of pure persistence and to shut me up, Warwickshire gave me a contract when I was uh, 22. So so that's basically how it all came to pass. And then professional cricket from 22 until 28 when I had to retire because of illness, uh, because of injury and straight into broadcasting. Wow. So it's tenacity that kind of kept you in it again. Like it's kind of very business-like. You kind of have to stay in for as long as you can and take your opportunity. It is. And it's weird because unlike necessarily business, perhaps, where you've got a profit and loss sheet and you can sort of see how well you're doing by the sales that you're making and the money that you're making, and that it, it's very black and white. To get a contract at a county club, it was someone's opinion. They mm. have to think you're good enough. 
So there's no discernible, yeah, you could take a billion wickets or score a billion runs and they'd go, yeah, all right, he looks all right, we'll take him. But it's on somebody's opinion as to whether you've got what it takes to be to be a professional sportsman. Mm. So that's quite hard. You know, I had loads of stats backing me up, but I, then why didn't I have a contract? Maybe it was me. I don't know. I think the thing that actually got me the contract was the fact that wasn't necessarily talent. I was good, mm. but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a world beater. But I think it was the case that it was mm. always give me the ball. Whenever chips, it doesn't matter the situation, give me the ball. I want mm. a ball. I'll get him out. Yeah. And it's that belief yeah. that in yourself that, you, you know, whether you actually pull it off or not, that's a completely different scenario. Give me the ball. Yeah, but he's smashing you all over the place. Yeah, I don't care. Give us the ball. Um, so, so, yeah, that it is a little bit of tenacity and it is a sort of mindset that you get into that I was turned down by my own county and so that it may be a little bit of wanting to prove them wrong but also a desire to not actually work for a living and play a game because that's really yeah. fun so that was that was a, another aspect to it i suppose you're listening to the how did we get here podcast the story of virtual manager with chairman anil patel cio neil fillingham ceo tony morocco and host charles dagnall would you say your favorite period was during that career was it with a particular county or was it playing with a particular set of people what was the most enjoyable part for yourself it's the people you meet i found that looking back at the time i mean i loved playing for both counties actually i played for warwickshire for three years and then leicestershire for five years warwickshire was a big club you know, huge stadium and, and all the rest of it. Leicestershire was much, much smaller, more compact. You knew everybody's name. Uh, all the fans that were slagging you off on the boundary edge and telling you you were no good, you knew all of them by name. Whereas at Warwickshire, it was a lot more broad in that respect. Uh, the, it was the people that... I found the teammates at Warwickshire were just epic. I mean, they really were. I mean, Tony, this might not be necessarily up your street but some of the names that we were playing with were world-class names and world-class sportsmen and athletes alan donald was was our overseas professional the south african fast bowler and he just welcomed you and i'm still in touch with ad right now and it's sort of like that bit of going well i'm charlie from nowhere and you're Alan Donald. And it was, it took a while. It did take a long while for me to feel like I belonged in county cricket. Yeah. It took me a long while to get it. At first, it was, hey, where's my sponsored car? Where's my free gear? Where's my shirt with my name on it? And wh wh which pair of trainers am I going to get for free? And that was what it was like at Warwickshire. It only was until I got to Leicestershire and one of my best friends, Philip De Freitas, who was the captain there. And he realized, sort of said, look, what do you want? How do you think you're going to go about this? Do you want to be good? Or do you want to... And he was the one that guided me or helped me with it. And you've got to show that as well. I was, yeah. you know, I want to be good at this. Yeah. And he was the guy that sort of guided me as to how to do it day in, day out and be a good pro. So there were numerous factors about enjoy. I, I loved Warwickshire. I adored it. And, and, you know, playing on the telly, things like that. That was great fun. Knowing that mum and dad were watching or all your old teammates back in Lancashire that watching you on the telly. But I think it's the people that you meet outside of the job of cricket. Obviously, the ones inside, you get to meet some fantastic sportsmen. But it's sort of like their yeah. mates 
who come over and you meet, you know, I'm, I got asked to play numerous times in these sort of charity matches and you go, yeah, 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 be fine. And I'm Johnny Nobody and I'm rocking up and, oh, look, there's Eric Clapton. Oh, great. There's Barry Kidd. <laughs> you know, there's Mick Jagger, Bill Wyman. Oh, right. That's, that's great. Yeah, really. Hi, I'm Charles. Um, a bowl of bit of medium wobble for, for Warwickshire. Uh, and uh, I've got a picture, actually. I've got a great picture. I was playing against Eric Clapton's 11. And I've said, I said, look, Eric, do you, do you mind if I have a photo with you. He went, yeah, yeah, no problem. I've got a photo at home of me. I'm dead set the most unimpressed looking Eric Clapton you've ever seen. It's sort of like, oh my God, who's this guy? And, uh, but these are the kind of people that it allowed you to, to meet and to be involved with. And it was, and that's what I have found the most beneficial out of all of it. Fast forward to commentary now. And, you know, some of the guests that come on the radio or the television, it's just outstanding. You know, Damien Lewis from Homeland and from Billions and a great actor. So he's coming on to talk cricket at lunchtime. What? I, here's one for you. This is ridiculous. I, I, I would never have believed it had it not genuinely happened to it. Now, Stephen mm. Fry, one of the great comic actors mm. and raconteurs, authors, just an amazing bloke. I'm hosting a dinner because I'd go out speaking and, and emceeing dinners and that sort of thing. I'm hosting a dinner and Stephen Fry's the guest speaker. I didn't know this. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm hosting this dinner with arguably the best public speaker in history <laughs> on the table in front of me watching. <laughs> so the pressure's then on to be good. You know, you've got to do what I'm thinking. right? And every single gag I tell or, you know, story, I'm watching Stephen Fry's reaction. Anyway, gets, I do my first bit and we get off and people start eating. And then Stephen Fry's there and I come over and introduce myself. Stephen, he went, ah, daggers. I went, what? How do you know my name? And he went, yeah, 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 I'm a big fan. I went, what? What are you talking about? This is Stephen Fry saying that he's a fan of mine because he listens to the cricket. On, and this is the nature of what the sport is and what sport is and Tony you'll know this in the basketball world I'm absolutely mm. convinced through your father and all the rest of it is that you don't realise who's listening to you who yeah. is enjoying you know they're just regular blokes they're regular women they enjoy their sport as you do and yeah. you're the one that they're listening to and it is a weird realisation when Stephen Fry turns around and says yeah I was listening to you last week I really enjoyed it I was like oh okay <laughs> you, yeah. you know, it does give you a sort of slightly out-of-body experience. That's what has meant the most, is meeting these people, and it's given us a huge amount of pleasure in doing yeah. so. It's interesting because, you know, cricket is, obviously, Neil and I are both cricket tragics, but if you're in, in that kind of world and your parents kind of, you know, got you involved, or like, like my dad did, listening to commentators is is almost in my view and it's still still to this day is like therapeutic almost like i'll listen to recordings yeah. of old series you know podcasts of the O five ashes series or and, and those mm -hmm. voices you grow up with them you know, i remember sitting in the car driving to leicester or see in-laws and you'd always have you know five live on and listening to that and it it, it just almost becomes part of your dna and then you, you, you know you have this connection obviously i mean i've obviously never met yourself yeah. or people like Aggers or those people, but it's almost like they're part of the family. And it was it was really interesting that Neil and I went to the first Brisbane test many, many years ago. And we're walking through the street 
and Jonathan Agnew suddenly appears. And it was just like, yes. we've been mates for years. I was like, Agnew, he was like, hey, how are you? And it was like, you know, it was so friendly. Yeah. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. Was it? Yeah, we're from England. And he was like, great, let's have a yeah. chat. And it was just like, his yeah. instant yeah. connection was like, this guy must think, this bloody lunatic, where's he from? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's weird. It really is weird. Uh, social media is another sort of aspect of this. People assume that they know you. Mm. Uh, when they, you know, you're, it's you, it's me on social media and I'm saying whatever. And they can talk to you. They can talk to you. Now, social media has a lot of downsides. They can also abuse you. Yeah. I have had mm. that. But it is funny that you should say that because I think cricket, more than any other sport in the world lends itself to this feeling of connecting with an audience because you have time. Mm. In football, everything's in 90 minutes and it's it's very, you know, very quick happenings and all the information has to be got out there in a short space of time. Basically, you are listening, you're not involved. Whereas cricket, you're involved. You're part of it. It's almost a sense of whatever you're doing, it's, escape, it's escapism, mm, it is. really. Yeah. Whatever you're doing... If you're having a rubbish day yeah. or if you're having a great day, it doesn't matter. If you're at your lowest ebb or your highest peak, mm-hmm. come and join us. Mm. Come and sit with us for a bit and listen to us because it's almost like we want to give you that feeling of being in the room with us. We're not talking at you as it, as many commentaries are because they have to be. We're talking with you yeah. in the room. So I remember some broadcasts that I've done after quite – big moments in the world in news give you an example brexit okay when the brexit vote happened in the uk now you've got half the country absolutely spewing because of the result and half the country joyous so how do you pitch that we had a game the next day how do you pitch that so however you're feeling come and join us because there's no brexit here we're commentating on a cricket game and we're going to have a giggle and we're going to have a laugh and if you're feeling down come and join us because you've always got mates here and we are that mate to you we you know i always was told and i was trained a long time ago unfortunately not enough training happens nowadays they just throw people on but i was trained to sort of say i'm talking to the old lady who's on her own She's got no friends. Her family doesn't come and see her that much. And she's 80 years old and she's got you on. But you're talking to her. Yeah. Commentary is talking to the individual, Mm. not the collective. It's not a big game. I remember doing the Champions Trophy final at the Oval. It was India versus Pakistan. There is no other sports game like it in the world. I kid you not. Now, incorporate American sports into this, Tony. As you know, I follow American sport. India-Pakistan, in anything, is the biggest sports game in the world. Mm. There is a, you know, there's a billion, two billion watching. There's probably half the amount of that listening on the radio. This is a big old game. And I was doing commentary on that. You cannot talk to a billion people. Mm. You just can't. It's impossible. But I'm talking to you individually as one of the one billion. And I'm talking to another guy or another girl individually. And that's the way to think about it. I'm yeah. just talking to you. Like we're talking now. That's what I'm talking. And so there's the differences 
between what we do. Now, weirdly, I've done a couple of American football games as well. I try and do those in the same style as I do because you do have space. You've got 10 seconds of action in American football and you've got 30 seconds of nothing happening in American football. So there is time to have a little bit of humour and add a little bit of light and colour to the situation. Then it's ready, you know, ready to go again. When it's time to snap the ball, you, you're commentating on it and then you've got 30 seconds of just drop-off time where you can yeah. analyse the game. I'm very lucky that in, in my industry there has been some great names, some wonderful broadcasters, poets almost, of the spoken word. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very blessed that I've been in the same kind of company, as in there's not been many people, probably 650 people have played cricket for England. There's only 30 or 40 who have actually commentated ball by ball on Test Match Special. I'm lucky that I'm one of them. But you always, I feel, when walking into the commentary box, you have the ghosts of voices mm. past. Yeah. Always, always there. And great broadcasters, great commentators, and you are trying to please them. Mm -hmm. It's the standard that they set that you will never, ever, ever reach. You'll never reach it. You can keep trying, but as long as that's always at the back of your mind, you'll never let slip. You'll always try and put in a decent performance. Yes, like anybody, you have good days and you have bad days. And sometimes that India-Pakistan game, I knew, and I'm really critical of myself massively i listen back to everything i do i sort of analyze it i look at what i could have done better could have done or that what worked what didn't i came out of the commentary box on that day went thinking yeah, you've had a good day there you've done yeah, quite that's awesome. well and so so it's all of those aspects sort of rolled into yeah. one and it falls onto the turf well drop coley at your peril here's a minute against corn points very next delivery and Kohli has gone. India six for two. Leading edge. Squared up by Mohamed Amir. Slight movement off the pitch. It's spoon to backward point. And Pakistan have the champions trophy in their hands. Hassan Ali passed. Umpire Maria Ras was pulled into the deep. Could be a catch here and Dhoni's gone. India are done. 54 for five. Hassan Ali. Short pitch delivery, MS Dhoni pulls it straight into the hands of deep mid-wicket. Well, thank you for listening to part one of this Dagger special. Join us next time, where we'll go on to how his business adapted during COVID, his broadcast philosophies, and Tony hits him with some quick-fire questions. The How Did We Get Here podcast with Anil Patel, Neil Fillingham and Tony Morocco was hosted by Charles Dagnall. This podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited. <laughs> <laughs>